Hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode of True Side Talks. On today's podcast, we are sitting down and talking with Aaron Say. Aaron, uh, there's no words I can really say that <laughs> would make any sense uh, about how awesome he is. Um, Aaron, he, he runs a uh, local music venue down in Denver, Colorado. It's called the Seven Circle Music Collective. Um, he's also a prominent figure in the local Denver you know, music scene and all around just a really great, great person. So uh, stick around, enjoy, uh, and if you're in the Denver area, make sure you go down there and check that shit out, dude. It's fucking sweet. All right, we're, we're live, we're going. Oh my. We are, uh, we're at Seven Circle with the main man, Aaron Say. What's up, dog? Hello, hello. How are you guys? Oh, I'm good. Good, doing How fantastic. Good, good, good. good. Us, oh, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for having us. Mm-hmm. Seven Circle, yeah. Ah, uh, you know, it's just a room. <laughs> <laughs> a legendary, a legendary room, room for sure. Yeah. So they tell me. <laughs> well, I'm gonna ask you about this Aussie, this Aussie thing. That oh you yeah. Went to. Okay. Yeah, we were just talking a little bit about that. <laughs> I want to hear all about it. Oh yeah, I mean, it might take up the whole podcast. <laughs> really. <laughs> Incredible or what? <laughs> oh, yeah. Have you um, seen him before then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so Ozzy was just in town on what's supposedly the farewell tour for, you know, the No More Tours right. 2, because he did yeah, one of these in, like, 1992, and then was like, August wait, I'm bored. Okay. I'm What am I, what am mm-hmm. I going to do and not touring? Of course I'm going to still tour. Yeah. So he put out, like, five more albums and kept touring, you yeah. know. But, um, yeah, so I think what it is at this point, they're, I mean, they're promoting it as, like, No More Tours 2, farewell tour, you know. But every night he gets up on stage and he's like, man, I want to clear something up. Everybody's saying that this is like, I'm not going to do shows anymore. And that's bullshit, man. I'm, uh, what, what it is, what it is, is that I'm not going to go on tour in January and finish up in December anymore. Yeah. But I'm still going to come and play. And I'm still going to do the U.S. I mean, I live here now. Right, like, right. He, so I think he's probably just going to do like, you know, 10 shows a year or something right, like right. that. It's not a strict, not, crazy. Not a crazy tour yeah. anymore. Yeah, exactly. So, um... But, you know, of course, you don't know that until you go to the show. And so you think it's your last time getting to see him. So, I mean, it might be the last time we get to see him in Denver. You know, like we might have to travel to L.A. or New York or Chicago or something in the future to go, you know, go to the big markets. But, uh, you know, we'll see. Um, But, yeah, it it was great. uh, So being that it was the last tour... I decided I needed to go to three shows instead of one, and so <laughs> yeah, I nice. went to I went to Albuquerque uh, last Sunday, and then the Pepsi Center show in Denver was two days later, and then Salt Lake City was two days after that, which was two days ago, and so I flew home from Salt Lake yesterday, and here we are. Wow. Which which one was your which one was your <sighs> the best one for you? So it's difficult to say because. Um, I mean, they 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 they've been doing the same set list every right. night, okay. and so they didn't change it up at all. No, but I mean, you know, they've got so many lighting cues yeah, and true. video cues yeah. and routines and stuff, and like, I think you know, with Ozzy being, you know, he'll be seventy in December. Doesn't really want so he like, doesn't like I, I feel like getting into a routine is the smartest the thing. You know? Yeah, he's yeah. like, I don't, I don't <laughs> probably forget or something <laughs> yeah. if he was trying to. If they were changing it yeah, up, yeah. yeah. So, um, so I don't know. I mean, it was a really good set list. So every night was super enjoyable. Um, 
I ended up in the front row in Albuquerque, so that was just absolutely oh, nice. amazing. Yeah. I was just like 15 feet away from him, and it was just like, ah! yeah. And then um, in Denver, I got to go with three friends, and so we were all hanging out the whole time, and so that was cool. Um, and then uh, a friend of mine is actually working a charity booth on the tour. Uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Love, Hope, Strength. It's uh, really cool. They call it a rock and roll cancer foundation, and basically what it is is it's this organization that signs people up via cheek swab for the uh, bone marrow donation registry. Oh. Oh. And usually you have to pay to sign up for that registry, mm. but this organization signs you up for free, and they basically what their, their sort of tagline is that they use rock and roll to save lives because they go out on tours and Major they right try here. and sign people up at the shows. Oh, that's awesome. And so, you know, they're based out of Denver, and so I've known these guys for a long time. And uh, they, you know, they'll just swab at shows mm-hmm. around town. Um, but it's gotten to the point that the main guy, Rob, uh, has gotten to go out on Warp Tour and wow. set up his tent on, on Warp Tour every single day and try and sign people up all across the country. Whoa. And he got this Aussie tour. And I had already gotten tickets for the three shows, but I was just kind of like, well, I mean, if you're going to be at all the shows, do you want to just, like, convoy from Denver to Salt Lake? And then I can just, like, find a cheap flight home, and then I don't have to drive, you know, all the way to Salt Lake. And he was like, yeah, but we got to go out the day before because I have to set up, you know, the day day of. And so I just got to roll with him and go to the venue at 10 a.m. and start setting everything up and, like, mob around backstage and, like eat Aussie catering for lunch and dinner <laughs> and it was just like awesome. so the whole experience like I don't know I mean I feel I almost feel like it's weird it's weird for me to like talk about it without feeling like I'm bragging right you know yeah, right. so it like it's, it was just this whole big awesome. thing where like you know I mean I got to meet him and it was just like the oh. craziest experience and it was just like 17 year old me is freaking the fuck out <laughs> yeah. you know yeah. but I'm like I have to keep it together because I'm like associated with this charity and I can't just you like can't just I can't just go turn into a, a blubbering fanboy fan, you know and I can't yeah. like yeah no I had to just keep it professional right. but you know which was good because it probably would have just been like oh god who's this kid that ended up backstage if I started to like right, right. freak out about it so you know I kept it together but I've got some cool pictures so that's very cool. nice that's awesome. yeah that's um awesome. so like I mean yeah. really like I feel like just in terms of that whole experience completely the Denver show was the best because like I got to run around with right. Rob backstage in Denver and that was like my home venue and that was the first venue that I saw him at, you know? And uh, then I got to do the whole thing again in Salt Lake City two days later and I didn't get to meet him in Salt Lake, but I, got to, he, uh, I got to meet him in Denver. Where did he play at in Salt Lake? Uh, USANA? The USANA Amphitheater, USANA. yeah. yeah. That's a cool amphitheater. Um, yeah, it was cool except that it rained. And it was really cold <laughs> yeah, all day really because pretty, it's yeah. October, and for some reason they're doing outdoor amphitheater shows well, that, on this tour. Still. That's when when I saw Iron Maiden at Usana, mm. it was the same thing. It was the middle of October. And I was like, "This is the dumbest <laughs> idea." So like, yeah. Was like, yeah, freezing cold. Yeah, it was really cold. But luckily, like you know, for the first half of the night, we had the tent, and right. you know, for the charity booth, and so I was able to get away from the rain. And it was like it was on and off throughout the afternoon, and then when doors, basically when doors opened, it wasn't really raining anymore, and so. The whole, most of the show was fine, and then, like, the last two songs were Mama, I'm Coming Home, and then Paranoid, and right when they kicked into Mama, I'm Coming Home, the rain started coming down, it was just like, oh, oh this is the best! That's literally Yeah, it was, it was a dream, dude. Oh it was so gosh, much fun, dude. so... Yeah, yeah without, without going too much further into it, I kind of felt like that kid in Almost Famous. Just, like, oh, yeah. wandering around backstage at the Pepsi Center somewhere I've always just, like, dreamed about being. And then, like, all of a sudden, way down the hall there is, like, Ozzy and his whole band and entourage just, like, walking, walking by to get off. to their dressing rooms. And I'm just like, Ugh. 
You're just like, I don't think I'm supposed to be here, but I really am. Keep it together, keep it together, keep it together. Yeah, 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 exactly. It was super surreal. So, so I don't know. I mean, it was like that the whole thing, like, and that's not even talking about the show, you know, like the show was great every single night. But what was cool, because like, you know, being a sound engineer too, and like knowing all these songs so well, Uh and after seeing the same set three times in a row, I was like almost starting to focus on more on like the mix than just like the actual, you know, the actual performance. And not that I got bored of the performance, right. certainly, but like, you I don't know, I just, that's what I like to do. I like yeah. to focus on the mix, you know? And so I, uh, I noticed that in Denver, the, uh, the keyboards were higher in the mix than, uh, they had been, um, at the Albuquerque show. And then in Salt Lake City, the bass guitar was higher in the mix than it had been at the other two shows. And so it was kind of cool to just like, I mean, it wasn't like, it wasn't like super different, you know, like anybody that wasn't a sound engineer probably wouldn't have even noticed. But I just kind of remember thinking like, cool, whoa, like I can hear the bass way better at this show than I could at the other one, you know? And so it was really interesting to just pick up on those little details. It's kind of cool. You can hear them kind of dialing it in maybe Mm -hmm. like to the different venues. And I mean... To that specifically, figuring out the sure, way to yeah. make it fit in the venue or fill right, it. Right, like, right. So and it also cool. could have just been because my seats were in different places, you know, like right up in the front in Albuquerque, you know, it's like everything's right there, right. but bass doesn't really start to rumble until it's until like it 10 or 15 back, feet yeah. away from the speakers. And so, you know, like I was in the zone where the bass was going past me before you could really start to feel mm-hmm. it. And so, you know, I was getting just like the crisp, like everything else, you know, mid-range and high-end part of that mix. And I mean, you could still feel it, of course, right. but yeah, not as much as I would have been able yeah. to if I'd been further back. And so then in Denver, uh, I was further back and off to the side. But I mean, Pepsi Center, you know, it's an arena and like it's set up differently because they have to like shoot the sound all the way up into the ceiling for the top so concourse areas, you know. And uh, so, yeah, I don't know. It was just sort of interesting getting yeah. to analyze that, you know, and also just enjoy the shit out of an Aussie show three, three times. Three times. So, <laughs> three yeah. times. so we'll see. Problems, Hopefully yeah. it's not the last three times I get to see him, but, uh, you know, we'll see. You never know, man. I, I, I kind of, it's like you hear a lot of, you know, those band, bands from that time. You're mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah, we're getting old. We're going to do one more tour. And right. then you're like, okay, cool. I'm going to go. They do two more. Yeah, exactly. You're like, you're a liar. Well, but then you also get situations with Motorhead, you know, where yeah. it's just like, oh, man, they canceled Riot Fest. I was going to see him. Oh, well, I'll see him next time. And then three months later, the dude passes away, yeah. you know. So and that, and it's like, I don't I mean, I, feel, I don't know. I feel like he, Lemmy was always kind of it felt like he was going to live forever. But it also feels like Ozzy's going to live forever. Right. So I guess we'll see. Well, and I think sometimes, too, though, with that, you get the opposite side of the coin where it's like, uh, still like, you know you're what still, I'm saying? Yeah, Sometimes yeah, you get like, yeah. like I think with someone like oh. Ozzy and stuff, you're just like, yeah. Cause it's just real raw rock and roll. Really and you're good, just like, yeah. yeah. But and like Ozzy's sometimes you're just like, Oh yikes, buddy. You're like getting maybe 70. Maybe you should have like, retired. Maybe yeah, you should no, stop yeah. playing shows like that. Cause it's getting like, kind of like, like you know what I mean? Yeah. It's yeah. like getting like, Oh man. Yeah. Ozzy luckily is not like that at all. His shows That's are awesome, still great. Yeah. I mean, the only thing is he's running around stage a little slower than he used to, but other than that, like he's running, he's running. He's still running. Yeah. And, you know, he still sounds great, you know, so it's... it's Let see, it rock. <laughs> yeah. Nothing to complain about. Yeah. Who was it? I saw Rush and... Cool. I've never gotten to see Rush. It was like a weird spur of the moment thing. Like, I was living in Louisiana for a while with my dad, and he's like, you want to go see Rush? And I was like, yeah, sure, let's do it. <laughs> and so we went down to the, the Mercedes-Benz uh, area, but they had like an outdoor uh, amphitheater. Oh, cool. Right there. And so the thing is, like, going back to, like, you probably should have retired... Oh yeah, the guitarist I can't remember his name right now. They literally had to bring out an IV because oh, he wow. was like he was so dehydrated. He almost passed out on stage, and like I was like, because I was sitting there like talking to my dad, and like 
like the song stopped and like this the couple ladies like came out and like came, like hooked up a little like mini IV and I was wow. like wow. was he hooked up to it while he was playing though yeah that's rock and roll that's rock and roll because there was one point like I remember I like looked up and he like he was doing this. And he was looking like he was gonna pass out, and then like they they ran out and like stopped the song. But then like right when they hooked it up, he was like, "All right, I think I'm good." And then like oh my God. he started playing again, and I was like, "What the fuck?" Dude? That's I, incredible. Like, that, that's, yeah. that's, that's so cool. Yeah, because yeah, like there's been times where you're performing, you're just like, "Oh, I feel like I could use a drip right now." You know yeah, what I'm saying? Like totally. I need some water. So uh-huh. like if you can if you could play through that, like that's awesome. especially as like old dude, that's pretty. That's yeah, pretty rocking. Sh- like was, that's pretty wild. Yeah, God, I've never heard of that happening. I've like I've seen bands like go backstage and get an oxygen mask real yeah. quick, mm-hmm. you know. To get yeah. that boost but i've never heard about an iv on yeah stage. it was an that's iv wild. from my like recollection so cool. was, i like looked up and i was like is that a fucking iv <laughs> yeah <laughs> like i was like man this is crazy it was the same shit like it was raining yeah. and everything they started playing i i can't remember it no it wasn't rush oh my god it was boston oh it was fucking boston <laughs> never mind it wasn't rush it, totally different band i, mean, I don't know why the same age probably yeah though. yeah it was boston but they were playing one of their big hits and it was super psychedelic and they had this giant screen and it was it reminded me of watching the wall oh cool and they were playing that and that's when they like came out and hooked him up because like they just let the the video play it and he started shredding again yeah. and i was like man this is cool like this yeah is that's a awesome. show but wow. uh nice yeah. <laughs> So, well, that was a good uh, good start to the whole thing. Yeah, man. <laughs> Talk about all these aging rock stars that we've gotten to see. <laughs> but hey, I mean, they're still doing it. That's what really counts. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you a serious question. Okay. Uh, how, did you, how did you get into, like, the DIY stuff? Like, how did you get into, like, running this? Um, seven Circle. Seven, seven circle, circle, which is where we are. For those of you that are not uh, viewing a video right now, because there is no video, there is sorry. There is no video, because I dropped the ball. Ah, uh, no, But you can fine. come see a show here. <laughs> yeah, like, come yeah. see a show. We have shows five nights a week. Cool, yeah. 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 So anybody that is listening that is unfamiliar, uh, Seven Circle is a DIY venue in Denver, and we do shows mostly of all genres, uh, five nights a week. Um, there tends to be a little more like punk and metal and mm. that kind of stuff than other sorts of things but we do hip-hop shows and edm shows and singer-songwriter acoustic shows from time to time you know um pretty much you know whatever wants to come through and play and i got involved in operating this place uh in late summer of 2012 basically um and it had been a previous venue in the same building Mm -hmm. very same setup you know uh, called Blastomat for an additional six years prior to that. Okay. And so I started coming here in like early to mid to late 2006. Sometime in 2006 mm-hmm. is when I found it. I don't remember exactly when, but um, just fell in love with the place, fell in love with the underground culture of it all, right. and, you know, it just completely felt like we were in our own little world, you know. Well, just so, yeah. so just off the grid, yeah, you know, yeah. and uh, outside of the mainstream. Right. And... I just really fell in love with that aspect of the music scene because it had so much passion and so much heart, you know? And I think I'm going to sneeze, so you're going to have to edit this out. <laughs> or you can keep it if you want some we'll comedy. keep it, man. <coughs> I'm not allergic to It's raining. All the allergens should be, like, dampened away. Dispersed into the ground. <laughs> yeah. They're little evil. You still got them cotton floaters, man. Yeah, those little yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're also in a dusty stage area. So, <laughs> you know, who knows? Whatever. Anyway, um... So, yeah, I just, you know, started coming to shows, fell in love with the place, started coming around all the time, kind of made friends with the people that lived here, and 
ran the shows here mm-hmm. and stuff. And then uh, around like 2007, 2008-ish, uh, when I started sort of having more of a hand in booking shows around town, um, I started, you know, here and there, just like every once in a great while, putting a show together that would take place at Blastomat. Right. And then um, by like late 2009, early 2010, they started to need some more help from volunteers from around the community to help run shows as opposed to just like the core group of people that lived here. Because it had gotten to the point that a lot of other scenes had discovered the place and wanted to do shows here. Right, and that's and just a lot of it was just, it got, yeah, exactly. It just got to be way more busy than I think the people running it and living here uh, want, you know, thought it was yeah, going to be or right. whatever. And so uh, I started volunteering in spring of 2010. Just, you know, running door, mm-hmm. running sound, booking shows here and there. And uh, then just did that for a couple of years and then uh, got to the point in the summer of 2012 that the people that were living here at that point were going to move out and shut it down and, you know, move on to other things in life, essentially. And uh, nobody else in the collective take- was really like, at that point, there were like 15 people in the collective. It was very small. And nobody was really at a position where they could or wanted to step up and sort of take over mm-hmm. operations, you know. And so it was me and uh, this lady, Becca, who is one of our only volunteers left from that time period, from the Blastomat time period. Uh, and between her and I, we kind of came up with the plan of, like, how we could sort of take it over and, and make it keep going, you know. And the Blastomat crew essentially were just like, yeah, I mean, if that's what you guys want to do, go nuts. But, like... You know, we'd appreciate it if you changed the name because it's going to be kind of a different thing, right. yeah. and you're going to run it differently a little bit, and it's just, you know, last time that was our thing, and none of us are going to be around anymore. And it was like, cool, yeah, you know, that's that's totally fair, of course. Right. And so we, uh, they had their last show August 25th of 2012, and uh, I had the first meeting of what would become Seven Circle on September 2nd, and technically the building became ours September 1st. Wow. And uh, then... We had initially, right off the bat, like 50 people out of the music scene that were just like, whoa, you're taking over Blastomat? Like, hell yeah, I want to help, you know? Nice. And so right off the bat, we had 50 people that wanted to be involved in the in the volunteer collective. And so we just, over the course of the subsequent three weeks, we put a new name on it, kind of overhauled a lot of the way that it was laid right. out, you know, and like changed it from a living space in the house to like the record store and stuff that it is now and rerouted something as simple as like which door you access the bathroom through so that people traffic is better, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, just yeah. simple little just logistical like little things, things, you know? And, uh, we had to put in a new sound system too. Cause the one that was here was belonged to the Blastomat crew. Oh, so, so they, they took, they it, took it. it. So we put in a new sound system and some lights and just kind of like gave it a little bit of a new face and just, uh, like here it started is. doing shows again, you know? So three weeks later we had the grand opening show, September 22nd of 2012. And, uh, I just kind of got it out on the internet on all the DIY touring forums mm-hmm. that, you know, this is a new venue in town in a building that you're all familiar with. Uh, hit us up, you yeah. know, and the emails started flooding in. And I think, I don't remember the official count, but we did over 1,450 shows by the six-year mark. Wow. Which wow, was last man. month, so. That is yeah, that's, that's a, a huge amount of shows. Yeah, it's been crazy. Like we average five a week, and we used to do more, and it got to the point that it was killing us, and so we had to scale it back a little right. bit. Right. Yeah, I would imagine. Like, you does know? it get pretty stressful running this place, or is it you got a good group? No, of people I mean help, we like... we definitely have a good group of people for sure, and it's not the only thing that's stressful is that because it's all volunteer run, 
I can't really just schedule people to work shows. You know, right, everybody right, has right. to make their own schedules because they're volunteering. And so that's the only part that can, can kind of get stressful if it's like the night before a show and I'm trying to send out the mass message thread with the schedule and everything and I don't even have all the people for the next day that need to be there to work it. Right. And then I'm posting in our volunteer group like, hey, anybody? who wants to work door in 15 hours? You yeah. know, like, we need somebody, please. Please come out of the woodwork. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And uh, that's the only part that really gets stressful. But I think out of all 1,450 or 60 shows or whatever we're at, we've only had, like, two or three go by with less than the amount of people we need to run a show, which is three. It takes three people to properly run a show, right. and we've had a couple squeak by with only two and that sucks. That's stressful for them because right, they've got to like do more, down. you know, There's do more. People coming in, they gotta worry about. Yeah. Um, but that's the only thing that's really stressful, other than like trying to stay on top of all the emails. See, but I, I just, I just resigned myself a while ago to the idea that I'm not ever going to be on top yeah. of all the emails, <laughs> yeah. and then it stopped being stressful because right. I was just like, cool, I will respond to every email that I can, yeah. and yeah. it's going to be impossible to respond to all of them, and I just have to accept that and hope that everybody else understands that too, right. and won't get upset. And if they really, really, really want to book a show and I don't reply, hopefully they'll email again, so yeah. it comes back to the top right. of the well, inbox. And, that, and that's you know? what I was gonna ask. Because, you know, like booking your own tour, like what I was doing, I was like, you know, there would be times I sent out an email. I'm like, oh, yeah, they should be, get, you know, they'll get back to me. And then I'm like, and then they never, never do, reply. Yeah. And I would get like angry for a second. I'm like, oh, dude, I have to realize they're probably getting like thousands yeah. of emails like within a week. Yep. And I'm like, all right, so if I really want to play here, I'm going to have to email like three or four times and a I, week, you know, do like a schedule base right. where it's like, so it comes back to the top. Hopefully sure. they see it, you know, and exactly. hopefully they And I'm see sure a place like this gets an incredible yeah. amount just because of how like open and inclusive you guys are to like just every Everyone, kind of yeah. like music, people, right. whatever. It's just like, come do your thing, you know what I'm saying? So like, I'm sure you guys get, and there's a lot of places, you know, like in Denver and just around here that aren't like that, right. that are like very, very exclusive. You're going to, we're going to give you these to sell. And if you don't sell all these, you better pay for them, you know? So it's like, That's, it's, I don't, it's, I don't it's like dirty. Shit, <laughs> it's dirty. But Yeah. That pay to play model is like half the reason that I wanted to run this place so that I could get the bands somewhere they can play where they don't have to do that. Right. Right. You know? Right. And luckily, those promoters are kind of like either either they're just not running around in the circles that I'm now in, mm -hmm. or they're falling by the wayside a little bit because people are getting wise to the bullshit. But um, yeah, I don't know. I haven't heard too much about those play, pay to play promoters happening terribly recently. I know they've been trying, but I guess I guess it is just in my in my circles. I just, just I warn the bands, yeah. you know. Right. I'll see those things pop up where it's like. Winter Spotlight at the Roxy Theater. Yeah, Your band you plus 12 more bands, yeah. TBA. And it's just like, oh, God, guys, don't play that. Yeah, just you're, don't. You're going yeah. to be paying a lot. <laughs> yeah. It's like if you don't sell your 250 tickets or whatever. No, not 25 tickets. $250. Uh, yeah, usually how that works. Like, okay, so for anybody out there listening that's not familiar with what we're talking about, uh, pay to play is the name for a model of show booking where a promoter will – well, promoter in quotes because they don't really do <laughs> anything yeah. other than steal your money. <laughs> yeah. But a promoter in quotes will rent a venue and then it's completely up to them and the venue has nothing to do with the lineup that gets booked. This third-party promoter books the entire show. And usually what they do is they'll put together like 9 or 10 or 12 bands without care to if they are the same genre and – then they'll give each band 25 tickets or so to sell. And if they don't sell, 
at least the minimum amount of tickets, then they don't get to play. And so what ends up happening is, say you sell 20 of your 25 tickets. In order to play, you have to pony up that extra 50 bucks, and so then you're paying to play the show. And it's different than, like, if you get a really cool opening spot on a show at, like, the Marquee or the Summit or the Gothic or something, because at that point, you're having pre-sale tickets to sell, but, like, the the lineup is out. You're not responsible. You know, like, if you don't sell all the tickets, then you just turn in what you didn't sell, and everything is fine. Yeah, because... It's totally different. We've done stuff like that before, and that that never seems to... It's not dirty. It's like, do what you can do, and then whatever people, whatever, give us other tickets. Right. And essentially, what you're doing is you're just, like, an auxiliary box office location. To where you can more directly reach the people that want to come see you play that show. Rather than yeah, doing for sure. And you're promoting it. The difference is like you're promoting it as a whole lineup. You're like, hey, you know, like come see us. We're opening for this really cool band at the Gothic. You know, like come to the show. It's going to be show. cool. As opposed to those like bullshit pay to play things where it's like, yeah, well, come see us. We play at 545. I don't know who else is playing and it doesn't matter because just come see us at 545 and then you can leave, you know, and there's no camaraderie built, you know, there's like no, there's no cohesiveness to it. It's just a competition and it sucks. Well, that doesn't even see that, that that seems like it takes the funness away, you know, of just like all of that. And and that's the thing is they prey on the bands that don't have the experience yet to, to to know how it's supposed to work. And they're just like, oh, cool. We get to play at this venue. Hell yeah. But then it's like, but dude, you're like, yeah, you're playing at that venue, but like, you're not really playing at that venue because you're not playing for the people that book that venue as their venue. You know, you're right. playing for this third party promoter. The people that run that venue that you aspire to play have no idea who you are and are not going to know who you are after you play this show because they're not going to be there. You know, and this this third party promoter person who just like threw down fifteen hundred bucks or whatever it was to rent the venue just made a killing on 10 um, bands 10 selling band, yeah. $250 worth of tickets each. Yeah. And yes. so he's walking away with like a good grand in profit. And that's how they <laughs> yeah, swindle yeah. you, you know? Oh, so man. stay away from that model. You know, if, if, it, if ever you get approached to play a show where they're like, you know, yeah, here's your, here's your pre-sale tickets, always ask, if we do not sell a certain amount of tickets, do we still get to play? And, like, just look for the red flags, you know? And the red flags are always going to be if the tickets are, like, such and such event featuring your band name in big letters and special guests because you're not the headliner, you know? Like, it should say, you know, show featuring, like, headlining band that you're super stoked to open for. And then a band that they're right. on tour with, and band then, that they're on tour with, and you. You're right. You know, right. like it's a whole it. it's a whole package deal. And if they're just giving you tickets that are like, your band plus more, it's like, okay. So every <laughs> single <laughs> band has tickets that has their name right. on it plus more, and there's no there's, camaraderie yeah. built. You know. Yeah. So. Oh man, I'm super like stoked to hear more, guys. Like uh-huh. <laughs> I've heard I've heard some things about more. <laughs> <laughs> Shit kind of reminds me of like a monster truck like rally commercial. You know, <laughs> like Monday, come down and see monster trucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> with special guests, and you're like, cool. Yeah. Like, um. So yeah, that's that's fun stuff, but. <clears throat> you know, I don't know. Stay away from it. So yeah, DIY. You know, like the whole essence of DIY and shows like Seven Circle are to build a community right. and to build camaraderie between the bands that are playing. And so you know, we try and put together cohesive lineups where, sure, maybe the bands haven't played with each other before, but they're similar enough to where to where they can their audiences are going to enjoy the other bands right. on the show. And then, um, you know, you'll you'll each band will gain new fans ideally. And everybody will stick around and watch all the bands because everybody's promoting it as like a package deal as opposed to just like show up and see me at 545 and then leave, you know. Cool show. 
with a bunch of bands that sound like you enough to where your fans are going to like them and their fans are going to like you and you can build everybody you know and and it's always just it, every show i've ever been to here is it's always a really fun atmosphere yeah, like it's really people homey. are yeah people are just really nice and like there's, I mean, there's always a bunch of people here who you've right. never met, you know, and you just, well, so you're just good, outside yeah. having conversations it's between sets, yeah, and it's like, everybody's real at, cool. Like, atmosphere, yeah. and I think it was like, when I, the first day I walked through the doors, like, it was, I was seeing, it's when they were Foxtrot, yeah. so I was seeing those guys, you know, the homies, and walked through the door, I'm like, wow, dude, this is probably the coolest DIY spot I've ever been yes. to. That was, same, that was, I played bass with them here one time, as bloomers, uh-huh. I think, but, uh. I was filling in for bass with him uh, once, and it was the first time I'd ever been down here, and I was just like, "This place." It just is like cool, you just walk man. in, and you're like, Whoa, "You feel at home, right?" Yeah, yeah. it's like a com- it's comfortable, and that's exactly what it should be. You right. know, it should be a second home for people. Right, and you know, in addition to being a music venue, that's exactly what it is. You know, like we'll have we have plenty of regulars that just kind of treat this as their second home, and they come to like every show, yeah. even if they don't know who's playing, just because they want to be here. It's the right. place that they want to hang out. You know. And so it's really cool to have been able to create that environment and create that that atmosphere that is so welcoming to well, people. You know? And it's just really it's, it's it's important. It's cool to have people like you and like the people who started Blastomit and like just like the DIY you know venue um, scene. I guess like mm-hmm. without those types of places like Seven Circle, I don't think I don't think playing music would be as fun. You know what I'm saying? Sure, like I just yeah. I. Like, just going on tour and you play a bar, the atmosphere is like, it's shitty, man. Yeah. I don't like it. It no. feels... Bar shows are lame. It feels Seattle. weird. Seattle. Well, see, Seattle's cool, but you just played at the wrong place. Right. Such <laughs> the wrong place, <laughs> Such dude. the wrong place, man. It was... Yeah. It was... I, I liked the city. It was pretty cool. Yeah. But it was... Yeah, it was definitely... That's one thing we I think we learned on this first tour, for sure, was like... There's like... Because a, a lot of the cooler shows we had were like... Well, we did play some cool bars. Like, we played... a. A bar in Oakland that was the real Stork cool. Club. The Stork Club, cool. yeah, Great and uh, they were really nice to us there and stuff. Nice. But like, um, I think it kind of just depends too on like the the atmosphere associated with it. Like, you can tell like when you come to a show here or something. Like, the people who are working are nice. Like, you can tell that they like just want to be here. They're doing something they enjoy. Yeah, yeah. But like when you go to like a bar type place and the door guy is just like, oh, let me see your hand. You know what I'm saying? There's just like real they're like. Really- they're just like, I don't want to be here doing this again. Like, you know, and you're just like, all right, all right, buddy. Right. And that's the difference because, you know, it's a whole, like this place and places like this are completely volunteer run most of the time. Right. And so the people who are doing it are here because they want to, just like you said. It's not here. As to opposed to like, oh my God, I have to go work door again, check everybody's ID. Or even worse, uh, I have to go run sound for all these bands right. that I don't care about. Yeah. You know, like There's that, no that is there. the worst because the sound guy can just completely ruin an entire show if they're right. if they're not treating it as an art I don't form, think, you know. I don't think we had any bad sound. Good, like, that's I great. I don't yeah, think we glad any. about that. All our sound sounded pretty decent. I Good. was pretty glad about that. Good. Yeah. yeah, but uh, one thing you were talking about um, uh, volunteers is that something you guys are constantly looking for? Is that something that we should? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Let, um, if you guys out there listening are in the Denver area in any capacity and you're interested in getting involved in a place like this we are always looking for more people to volunteer for shows um and in addition to like helping out this cool community diy space that it is um it's a really good training ground for if you're trying to get into the music industry as a career path because Mm -hmm. we run the place very similarly to big legitimate venues because that's just a good way to be organized you know 
and we modeled ourselves after the organization and the business sort of like tactics of you know a real venue as far as like scheduling and booking and all that kind of stuff and so it's a really good learning environment to kind of get your feet wet as far as learning how to run a music venue and we've had a decent amount of people who have gone on to run like get jobs and work sound at the marquee and the summit oh, and man. places like that after learning how to do sound here at and that, that has to make good you feel really and that's proud, huge yeah. absolutely yeah. <laughs> because it's just like these people want that career path and we get to start them out in the same right. way that bands get to play their first shows here and then they get to go and play at these bigger venues right. you know it's like, like it's huge and it's cool, it's man. it's so heartwarming to see that that is actually actually happening right you know where it's not just it's like a you know, beautiful big... like launching pad exactly yeah. Yeah. exactly yeah. and we we are completely that we are the stepping stone for sure and it's it's perfect because like there you know there have been people that don't really understand what like the DIY thing is all about and mm-hmm. in their business model mind they're just like you know bigger expansion you know and I'm just like no, no. this is exactly the size this place needs to be because if we get any bigger then all of a sudden the shows will either start to feel empty or we'll have to start competing with these other venues right. for bigger shows but these other venues already exist let them have the bigger shows you know right. we'll let us have the nice shows when intimate. they're this size yeah. you know like let's have the bands play here when they can only barely draw out 100 people at max and then after they can do that and they're worth... Let them, let them move on. They too. can move on. Exactly, yeah. So they can move on to playing somewhere bigger. And it, it's like you look at like a, a venue map. It's like, all right, you know, it, it was like I had this girl, she, on, on the DIY tour page, she's like, oh, where should I play in Denver? I was like, oh, Seven Circle. Yeah. She's like, really? I'm like, yeah. Like, I have you ever played in Denver? She's like, no. I was like, go to Seven. That's the I was place like, to that's, start. That's yeah. where mm-hmm. you need to go. Yeah. Um, so like talking on like kind of the scene and like the community... Is there any local bands you're into right now? And I know you. Oh my God! There's so many. <laughs> They're all so good. I just want to. Na- I just want to drop names. You want me to start name there. dropping? Yeah. yeah. Oh, at God. least a, at least a couple for us. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, I so mean, you can throw out some new new folks to some people. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so one of the best that I have really kind of seen grow and seen start here at Seven Circle and you know become a band that kind of is able to make waves is uh, Screw Tape. They're really good, uh, just like socially conscious, political, hardcore punk. Mm-hmm. And uh, they played their first shows here, and you know they met each other. Half of them met each other because of this place, wow. and oh, the cool. band literally exists because of this place to to, to foster them. You That's know, awesome. and uh, I've gone on tour with them, and they've just they're easily one of my favorite bands in town, and. Uh, they're doing great things. I mean, both of their albums that they've put out, they did the EP release shows here, and they were huge. Well, and that's those are those are the shows I yeah. missed. I was like, cause yeah. I've heard about Screw Tape mm-hmm. like through you talked about it. Right. Noah's, Noah's mentioned a lot about it, and I was like, oh, I gotta go see them. And those are the two shows I missed. And then oh. I see pictures from it, and they're they and it's just mayhem. I'm like, yeah, what it was in the fuck? mayhem, dude. <laughs> um, but well, if you're free in a week, they're playing. A t- they're doing a tour kickoff here with Potato Pirates, which is nuts because Ooh, oh, wow. Potato Pirates are a huge band in town, and you know they can draw out a good you know two or three hundred people on their own. Shit. And so it's going to be nuts if you're able to come yeah, here next day? Friday the 12th. Next Friday? Yep. So come down on yeah. Friday the 12th. It's going to be a banger. Um, sweet. Yeah. So sweet. Screw Taper, great. Um, Potato Pirates are another one. They're, they're a punk sort of like almost ska-leaning punk mm-hmm. band, but they've got a lot of like punk and hardcore going on. So it's, you know, they don't have a horn section. They're not that kind of a ska band. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, 
but they they appeal to the ska crowd. They they you know they've got a wide range, but um, they they've been a band like 13 years or something. I've been seeing them since like 2005, 2006 when they were just starting out and they've gotten to the point that they, you know, they're able to like, you know, co-headline the Gothic with, with other bands, you know, like they're, they're really a big thing at this point in town, which is really cool. And, uh, they opened, they were the first band opening that big show at Fiddler's Green the other, a couple weeks ago with Rancid and Bad Religion and Pennywise and Potato Pirates were the local opener on that show. So they got to play Fiddler's Green on the main stage and it was the coolest thing. Um, That's incredible. Yeah, it was really great. And uh, I actually got to run sound for him at that, too. So oh, I, nice. I got to run sound at, <laughs> at Fiddler's, Fiddler's Green, Green, which was just like, what? Oh, oh my God. And people were like, whoa, you're mixing the whole show. And I'm just like, no, no. Every band has their own person. I'm just I'm just Potato <laughs> I'm Pirates just, guy. But, hey, you I'm know? Here, but I'm here. Yeah, it was yeah. great. Um, That's awesome. So that was really cool to like get to see them. you know. But, the, I mean, they were the first band uh, that opened uh, at Riot Fest, the first year Riot Fest played in Colorado. They were the local okay. opener at 11 a.m. You know, on the same stage that AFI and Blink 182 played on that weekend, and it was just like, whoa! It's just you like know? it's crazy, and and, and it's really cool. But like that band, you know, they've they've gotten to that point because they have just been doing this for so long, right. and they've been doing it so well and playing the game right and just consistently putting out good music, being good people, and playing good shows. You know, that people took notice and started to put them on the bigger well, I bigger bills. And I think that's where like I any musician like i it's almost like you have to you have to consistently you know you have to work man you Mm -hmm. like and that's where it's like you have to you can't just like put out an album and like let it slide and just be like all right i guess i'm like i'll take forever off and then we'll we'll, i think it's like you gotta keep you gotta keep pushing and then it kind of kind of coming back to throwing a good show i mean i think i think it's if you put on a good show, then like like you said, you you'll get noticed, and right? Like because people are like, oh, that's cool. I've never seen that before. Or, right. Like, I've never seen anyone do this, and like like oh, I want to see that again. I want to see what they do at the next show. And then that you know it kind of creates that like that buzz. that buzz going, and that's that's cool, man. That's super right. cool. Absolutely, yeah. So that'll be really cool to have them both play here together. Together. Because that shit is gonna be off the fucking chain. So if this podcast is out before October 12th, come it to that show. Yeah, it will oh, yeah? Oh, yeah, good. Hey, so. come to that show then this Friday, October 12th. It's going to be fun. Jeez, yeah, it's um, one. Yeah, it's going to be wild. Um, God, who else? I mean, I'm just thinking about, like, the upcoming shows. Um, October 18th, um, we have this really cool band called Pocket Vinyl that's uh, coming through Denver. And uh, it's a husband and wife, and the guy uh, plays piano and sings. And it's like piano slam rock is what he calls it because it's like it's loud and sort of screamy and like heavy lyrical content and just really good. But it's just him and a piano. And throughout his set, his wife sets up an easel and paints a painting while he plays. And then at the end of their set, they auction off the painting to the highest bidder. And that is how they fund their touring in addition to, you know, making money at the door and on shirts and CDs and stuff. That's, That's awesome. cool. And it is the coolest thing. And the music is so good. And the songwriting, he's such a good songwriter. So uh, yeah. October 18th, that's going to be a really fun one, too. It'll be the third, second or third time. Third time, at least, that they've played here at Seven Circle. Um, that's awesome. And they're really, I, really I, where, they, where were they from? They're from Connecticut, I oh, think. Cool. Uh, somewhere on the East Coast. Pretty sure it's Connecticut. Um, so yeah, they're coming through. That's going to be fun. Um, Triangle Introverts are playing the show with them. And, uh, they're another band that I really, really like out of Denver who are local. Um, they're just kind of, 
I don't know how to describe them. They're sort of like heavy indie, but like they've got a lot of Sonic Youth influence, like noisy okay, punk yeah, influence yeah. too. Like they're really good. Similar to Bloomers, who's another one we should mm-hmm. mention. Bloomers yeah, are from sure. Loveland, but I'm sure you guys talk about them all the time. Yep. Uh-huh. Yep. <laughs> uh, I love that band so much. Oh, yeah. They're another one that I've gotten to go on tour with, which has been really cool. Well, next. Um, oh, sorry. No, sorry, go ahead. Sorry. I was gonna say, like, I was gonna ask, like, with the touring, mm-hmm. how do you find time for all the touring that <laughs> all you the do? things? Yeah, because you go on multiple tours, like, a, tours a year, don't you? With yeah. like different my mind, just... man. You blow my mind with that shit. I'm like, <sighs> it's just I don't know. I guess I'm really good at time management. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, you're probably um, the best time manager I've ever seen. <laughs> um, yeah, I I just. I don't know. I uh, I just schedule things out, you know. I, I you know when bands are going, hey, we're you know we're trying to go on tour in this period of time, you know, would you be able to come with us or down to come with us or you know help us come you, with us, you right, know that right. sort of thing. Um, then I'll just like okay, block out this, that period this is of time, time, you know, yeah. like block it out and make sure that I'm not, you know, like I essentially what I have to do is. I mean, I still, I'm still doing the day-to-day stuff for Seven Circle, right? And so even on the road, I'm checking emails and booking shows and so sending still out. Working, I'm still working still on tour, working, yeah, yeah, for sure, and like sending out the messages every night before the show that have the schedule for the next day and have so all the band the members, yeah, yeah, like get everybody in on time and you know make sure everybody has the information to run the show properly, even though I won't be there. And so you know we're just that's another aspect of this place that we're really lucky that we have enough dedicated volunteers to where i can actually you go can, out you on can tour leave and, not and i don't really have to always here. actually be here you right. know and uh the one compromise is that we do one show less per week when i'm gone just because it's the simple fact of i'm probably running sound at least once a week when i'm in town and so if i'm going to be gone that's one less sound person and so and that's we good, just do one less show right and that's, and that's a good break, up, yeah. you know, so it's not as Too stressful. stressful yeah, you know. exactly. Because, like, there have been times when I went out on tour and the tour was booked after we already had five shows booked during the weeks when I was gone. And it got really stressful for all of us because I was trying to get people to work shows and sign up from the road. And the people that were working the shows were drained because they were doing more than usual because I wasn't here to, right, to, to do help, my yeah. part, you know. And so that that's the only sort of downside to me going on tour is that it you know makes things a little bit more rocky here but you know i mean half the reason i got into this whole thing is because i wanted to do everything that i love about music and part of that is going on tour and traveling you know and so i and i and that's also like the natural progression for a band that starts here you know because a lot of these times it's bands that are doing their first tours and you know i've been doing it for i don't know at least 10 years or something now what is this 2018 yeah so about about 10 12 years wow <laughs> 10 years consistently 12 years ago was when i did my actual first tour which was a disaster and we learned all of the things that you should learn yeah. about how not to tour um so that was fun but uh but yeah so like you know part of the natural progression of it is you know band starts here band gets really good band gets to the point that they can draw out 100 right. people to seven circle maybe it's time to go on the road, you know, and figure out how that works. And so the sort of the next step for that is for them to want to put something like that together. And, you know, if it's a band that I really, like, gravitate Mm -hmm. to as people and as music, then I'm down to help, essentially, you know, if I have the time. And it's interesting because this year in particular, I think I've done the least amount of touring this year than I have. How many do you usually do per year? Like, roughest? Well, I mean, well, there's no real average just because it totally depends depends, on the year you know like i think the busiest was like four or five 
in a wow, year. Um, I think that was I mean, that that would have been that was last year. So that was I did one big long tour in February and March, and then I did three short tours in a row that were two weeks apiece. So it was like six weeks, but two weeks apiece. And then but I was two. home for like three days in between each one oh with three God. different bands wow. uh, last summer of 2017. And then um, I did a fall tour with Screwtape, well, fall in November. Um, so I guess, what is that, five? Five tours? Yeah. yeah that's and uh, so Jeez. one, but one of them, the big one in February and March was six weeks. And Whoa. so I was gone for six weeks in February and March. And then I was gone for six weeks in the summer, but it was three different bands and two weeks spurts. Right, right. And then I think I was gone for like ten days with Screw Tape or twelve or something in uh, in November. So that was a super busy year for for me for that. It was um, bouncing all over the place. Yeah, was... it was nuts. Dude. What, what's your uh, go to car time passer? You, you uh, must have driving. something good. Driving, driving yeah. That's, that's <laughs> the, if I'm not driving, I'm sleeping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's that's the, that's the way it is. Well, that I, was like. Uh, yeah. Right, go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. No, you're good. I just I love I love to drive if I'm awake enough, and if I'm not awake enough, I love to sleep. Yeah. And like honestly, I get more sleep on tour a lot of the time than I do when I'm at home. See, Dude, I can't really just sleep because... in the car. Oh, really? Like, I was. I have the curse. No, no. I, the... <laughs> I was. A, I was asleep so much on our like. Dude, I, I didn't you? You drove once. I feel. Like. I drove a couple <laughs> times. Like, like I drove after our live set, and then I drove from Wyoming. Me and you. He, me and him managed not to drive almost the whole time because wow. yeah, everyone would. Good job. Like I would just. <laughs> well, and I was really glad because, like, Ryan, like, we took our, our buddy Ryan along yeah. with us, and he helped us, like, just drive and do some, like, real roadie stuff. Ryan, I know you're yeah. listening to this. I love you, dude. Yeah, thanks, really buddy. <laughs> but, uh... But he did so much of the driving, and yeah. I was really grateful for it because, like, just after shows, you're just the last thing, that I'll, yeah. I'm just like, I don't want to drive. So I would just take, like, 14-hour yeah. naps, man. <laughs> the only I was one, gone. <laughs> the only region I drove through was Vegas. That oh, that was... was, that was Vegas like, is something. That was a terrible time. <laughs> we had we had uh, bags of ice from the gas station just resting well, on ourselves. Oh, it's we're because the, car. the air condition go out. Well, it was his, his car was overheating. Oh and yeah, it was, so you can't run the air conditioning. No. So you we have had to run the heater. heater. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I remember uh, we were driving and Landon's like, he's like, yeah, man, I think the temperature gauge going going up, and I and I like I, I looked at him, and I was like, all right, pull over, I'm I'm driving this bitch. <laughs> I was yeah. like, yeah. and he's like, what are we gonna do? And I was like, well, we're gonna. It's sweat. gonna. I was like, this is gonna suck really bad for the next four hours because we got a long ways to go to get to Utah, and I was like. It's gonna be hot, mm-hmm. and so I rolled down the windows, and we went and got ice, and that like, I filled up my water bottle with ice and like water, and within 15 minutes it was hot. Yeah, yeah, I and I was as- like, this is not gonna be fun, nope. dude. I fell asleep with a trash bag of ice on myself <laughs> in the back seat, and I woke up just soaked in water, like it just melted. <laughs> it was funny though when we when we got into when we got into Utah, we all got out of the car, we we're like so thankful because uh, it was so cool. It was like yeah. 70 degrees, and we we're like, oh, this nice, is yeah. Yeah, desert tours are rough, especially in the summer. Like, there was one that I did, and we went to Phoenix in July for some reason. I'm glad we didn't do that. Yeah, Yeah, Arizona. Do Arizona in the winter. That is a smart bet for sure. And not doing it in the summer is a smart bet for (laughs) sure. We learned that the hard way. But, uh, yeah, we drove in to Phoenix from Albuquerque. And when you come out of the Arizona mountains where it's actually decently temperate Mm -hmm. and you drive down into Phoenix and you've got the windows open, all of a sudden it just kind of feels like somebody's pointing a hairdryer at your face. (laughs) And it's just like, oh, God. But the van at that time didn't have working air conditioning. And so we were just like, well, whatever. We'll just do it with the windows open. We get into Arizona and it was just like, oh, God, like it's actually cooler with the windows shut. 
and it's like so hot and stuffy, but it's not a hairdryer in it's your not, face. It's, you're you know? not getting yeah. blown. And whipped. so we actually had to shut all the windows, and everybody is just dripping sweat. And uh, Alex, who's in Screw Tape, and uh, he was also in this other band that I was out with at that point. Um, he swears that he like almost passed out from heat stroke in the van. And I'm like, I don't know. I, I was watching to make sure everybody was okay. And I don't think you passed out, but you know, maybe you maybe, maybe, close. maybe. Yeah. Well, that's like, you know. had the same thing. Yeah. Like I was actually watching him cause I got a little worried. Yeah. I remember he's like sitting cross-legged on the uh-huh. thing and I'm driving. I keep looking over and he's like, leaning starting like to nod. This. Yeah. And I'm like, yo, are you good? Are you good he's over like, there, buddy? He's like, just so hot, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's how it was on that tour for sure. And like, as soon as we got to my friend's house in Phoenix, where we were staying, and he had air conditioning in his house, we all just went inside and we we're like, "Oh God, yeah, major oh, let's not leave until it's dark." And even after dark it's in Arizona, it's like as... ninety degrees. Yeah. So what yeah. I hate about like that type of heat too is like you walk outside and you're just like, "Who uh-huh. stole the air?" Like, <laughs> yeah, you know? totally. Like, I can't even, what the fuck? <gasps> uh-huh. Like, who stole the air? <laughs> yeah, seriously. So you know, if you don't have air conditioning. Do like a Pacific Northwest tour in the summer. Oh yeah, don't do. Yeah, it was, don't it do was real south. lovely up there. Yeah, it, it was. Nice, yeah. It was it's good. Beautiful up there for sure. What's uh, um, what's the craziest shit you've seen on tour? Yeah, you've like, had to see some wild. <laughs> okay. I want to get into this rabbit hole. Oh yeah. Um. <laughs> or or in just life in general. Like both. Oh geez, you want to open up I, that category? <laughs> <laughs> oh my but god. Wanna, let's do tour. Let's this. do tour first. Okay. So, um. I did a tour in 2009 with two bands. Uh, both of them, it was their first tour, and they decided it needed to be three weeks long, mm-hmm. which was kind of a mistake because you should probably do like a 12-day tour right. at most when you're it's your first tour just to like test the waters. You Feel know? how right. it feels. Make sure you can all get along with each other trapped in a metal box 24-7, you know? <laughs> um, it's, a te- it's a test of friendship. Right absolutely, there. yeah. And uh, so... I mean, well, okay, I take the back. The first, the, the one the one band, that band that I was with uh, had done a little quick weekender tour a year before, but it was only like three days. So it wasn't really the first, like the test of time, you know? Right. But it was technically their first tour, so this was technically the second one. But uh, the other band that we were with, um, I'm not going to name names. If they hear this, they'll know who I'm talking about, but if they don't, then that's cool. There's no point um, to, yeah. I, just because it was, you know, like, basically it got to the point with, the band that I was with that uh, by about halfway through there was some you know petty squabble that had boiled over and essentially two of the the guys in the band were just like not even speaking to each other halfway through the tour and so like we roll into New Mexico and we're halfway through we already did the Midwest and we're on the way to do like California and all the way up to Seattle and back Mm -hmm. and uh, we're in New Mexico and basically these two guys are just not speaking to each other and so I was like having to play mediator. You're like, come on, <laughs> because I was like tour dad, and so. But Tony just, says, take your move your feet. Right, he yeah, can't. No. Doesn't it have was, room. I mean, it wasn't like it wasn't that bad, Passages, but it was just like passing notes. No, here. it was. It was just like in, in the van. It was okay because everybody would just throw on headphones and be right, in their own little right. world. But it's just, it's it was just, like you know, there was like there was tension, you know, and it was stuck together. The elephant in the room that you don't want. And so that was kind of lame, but they got over it eventually, and everything was okay towards the end. But the other band that we were with, um, one of them had brought uh, his girlfriend along as oh, nice. like their tour manager, essentially. But Oof. for whatever reason, it got to the point that like two guys in the band were really not getting along with her. Oh, and so shit. by default, they weren't getting along with him anymore because he was siding with her in everything. And so, so it caused a lot of tension with that band. And the two guys that were separate, that like were not getting along with the, the guy and his girlfriend... 
um, ended up coming and riding in our van for a few days of the tour just to get away from the rest of the group. And that actually was cool for us because it was like a couple of new faces in the van to kind of offset that tension a little bit for our group, you know? So that was actually not the worst, and, and it worked itself out, but... Uh, we'll get to so the crazy thing that happened on that tour. We're in Portland. We're playing this house show, and this terrible Gigi Allen worship punk band opens, and the dude gets naked, and it's just like <laughs> you're like, okay, what, what is going on? But you know, whatever. whatever. We're in yeah. your house. Like we'll just let it just be, and we're all just like, oh god. And then. Um, the uh, there probably wasn't was there was there like not enough people either where for that so type of thing where it was just a little weird yeah, yeah, and it's yeah, just yeah. like exactly. oh buddy yeah exactly and uh, but I mean like he had a bunch of friends in the room not a bunch but like you know a decent amount of friends in the room like probably the equal amount of friends to like you know us also standing in the room and it was just like all right, at least it's not just, like, this dude playing for us, the touring bands, right. you know, and we can kind of, like, melt away to the back a little bit and not be near this naked dude. Um, but then, so, I don't remember the whole story behind this, but somehow, even before this tour, uh, one of the guys in the other band and some group of his friends and, like, their group of people in Denver had just come up with this silly chant that was take a shit in front of us, take a shit in oh. front of us, <laughs> oh, and it would shit. just be like this dumb chant that they would chant at like Blastomat shows, right, and everybody right, right. would laugh, and it was some inside joke that I was not on the inside of, and it was just like, oh. all right, and so at the end of the, the so that band plays the other band that I was on tour with, and then um, they're about to like break down their gear, and the band who was in my van was about to set up and do their set. And something, I feel like something awkward happened. I don't remember exactly what it was. There was some like weird, I, I think the I think the vocalist of the the other band had said something like, yeah, a real cool house show where like everybody hangs out in the backyard and doesn't watch the touring bands or something like that. You know, like it wasn't that yeah, great of a yeah, show. It was one right. of those situations. But he said something about it and it was super awkward. And then like mm. somebody in the local group was just like, you know, hey, blah, 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 you know, some retort, and I don't remember what it was, but whatever it was, like things Uh-oh. got awkward slightly, you know. And so my friend, the guitar player, decided to like try and lighten the mood and was just like, take a shit in front of us because it was like the inside joke. <laughs> yeah. But the drummer of this Gigi Allen punk band oh, was like, okay. And he just no. like drops oh, trout, no. shits on the floor right in front of where the bands had what played. In the f- but then the singer of the band that had just played who was already kind of pissed off was like loading a load of shit you know drum hardware or whatever in his arms and he was barefoot Oh no, my dude. god! No, yep. no, no! And he stepped oh in it because he couldn't god. see it. And then I was like, "Hey, oh. you! You just oh, stepped god. in human feces!" Yep. <laughs> and then he looks at it and he was just like, and he just like this rage came over his face. He dropped the drum hardware and he was like, "Who the fuck shit on the floor? Whose fucking shit is that?" And then started like shoving the kid that had shit. Oh and no! Then, oh, that was oh that was like god. his friend. Too, no, yeah. no, 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 no! The kid that shit was somebody local. Oh, so okay. the singer of our band, the guys that I was on tour, not like oh, the, that the was other the band. Dude who that was the dude shit. who stepped in it. Oh, oh yeah, and the dude who had come and oh, like God. ridden with us in our van to get away from the rest of his band, like it was a whole yeah. thing. And so, so uh, he's just already kind of. So he's like, already on edge, and then he accidentally steps in this dude's shit, and then oh, he starts God. like shoving the dude, and I'm trying to like break up the fight, and then somehow the owner of the house was told that this happened, 
And through this convoluted story of the person who is on tour saying, take a shit in front of us, she comes in screaming mad. And she's like, to me, she thinks somehow that I had something to do with it. She like comes screaming in my face like, you told somebody to shit on my floor. You guys are not getting any fucking money from this show. And I was like, like no, 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 no. no. This is not shit. how this happened. Yeah. This, it, it was like a total like joke that the drummer of the Gigi Allen band took literally. And he she took- was like, she was like, who did it? And I was like, the drummer of that first band. And she was like, Matt. And she like runs outside. Matt. And I guess she beat the shit out of him in the backyard. That is fun. And kicked him out of the show while we were very quickly loading the fuck out. <laughs> and so the band I was on tour with didn't play because we were just like, let's get the fuck out of yeah, here. Yeah, this is an intense And um, then the, the kid that was running door came up to me and he was like, man, that shit was hilarious. And he gave me the door money. Oh, <laughs> oh that's so funny. So we oh, left. Man. and it was, But that was the first time I was ever in Portland. And I was like, oh, God, what have we done? Like, this city is so... Oh, no. But every time I've been back to Portland since, everything has been fine. I have no idea who that Gigi Allen punk band was. I've never encountered them again, to my knowledge, and everything is cool. Never been back to that house again either, which is good. But, uh, yeah, so that's probably the craziest thing, I would say, that has happened on tour. Um, That first tour I was talking about where we learned how not to tour... Um, was 2006. None of us had smartphones. Nobody had smartphones yet, yeah, you know. Yeah. And um, we ended up uh, going into Indiana for a show that didn't happen, which oh. we also learned that Indiana is on Eastern time, and we learned that after we crossed the border and realized we were all of a sudden we were an hour late to the show. So we had to call the bass player's dad so he could get the name of the number of the venue from the internet at home give us the number so we could call. And it was like one of those Elks Lodge yeah, places. Uh, yeah. And so, so we called like, the Elks Lodge and we're like, hey, we're so-and-so at the band for tonight. And this sweet old lady answered and she was like, oh, there's not a concert tonight. It's Ladies Bridge Night or something. <laughs> oh, and we were just like, oh, are you serious? Cause Would like, you guys this, like some this, entertainment? Yeah, right? Because we, we were like, this kid like who goes by this on MySpace said that he was setting up a show and she was like, oh yeah, he books shows from time to time but he didn't set anything up for tonight. And we're just like, oh, oh man. And so, uh, you know, we had no way to get a hold of this kid other than MySpace, which is mistake number one yeah. always get a phone number and then uh we figured it out that he had just never actually set up the show but also the singer of the band i was with had never really followed through to make sure he confirmed sure the he show could, yeah. he had just messaged the kid and was like hey uh you know we're looking for you know july 17th or whatever it was uh and the kid was like oh yeah i can probably set that up at the elks lodge and we were like okay great and that was the end and of the was, communication and right. so it was and just then like you guys, nobody you guys ever followed up you know good, like huh? well no that was it that was all the communication oh, really? like i had nothing to do with booking this and so the singer of the band just never followed up with like hey. making sure that things but were like confirmed. he probably thought it was totally good right so he, was, he absolutely yeah, did that's so why was, we drove into yeah. indiana you know and we also got lost it's because you know this was night. before gps and so right. we got lost and we were looking at an atlas and somehow we ended up like way further east than we should have been we had to turn around and we were looking for Knox, Knox, Indiana. And it was this little town. We showed up into the town anyway because we were like, well, we're almost there. We have nothing else to do. So we went to the bridge or the Elks Lodge Club just to, like, use the bathroom. And the lady, like, lets us in. And she's like, yeah, sorry for the miscommunication, but, like, you know, blah, blah, blah. And we were like, it's fine. Like, you know, we just had nowhere else to go. Can we use the restroom? And she was like, yeah, that's fine. And then there was, like, a big, like, moose, like, taxidermy yeah. head on the uh-huh. wall and we start like the kids in the band started like picking his nose and laughing at it and she was like okay you guys have to leave you have to leave now <laughs> so, <laughs> so we left bridge night you're, yeah, you're messing with Edna's yeah, uh... yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> so we left and just like wandered around that town for a little bit and then we were not that far from Chicago and we had a place to stay in Chicago mm-hmm. so we just yeah. like 
drove to Chicago, and the next show was there, like, the next day or the day after that or something, and then we had to drive 19 hours straight back to Denver from Chicago after that show, which was another thing I learned you shouldn't do. Um, but we made it. I drove, like, 12 of those 19 hours, and it was pretty rough. Um, what would we do without smartphones, man, these days? I mean, I, I, I mean, don't know. You did we it, did it. But we the did kids it. now, we were at man? the tail end of it. Yeah, exactly. I'm like... <laughs> Like I don't even know how to just work keep an atlas, keep a road atlas in the van. Just wait till your follow your route. You know? wait till your brain is a GPS. Uh, and everybody's yeah. some Elon See, that's what I like sick. to be. I like to like I like to look at a list of directions and like memorize it in yeah, steps. Know you know, there, yeah. so that I can like commit it to memory as I drive. I hate blindly following the GPS. Right. I well, hate t- it because yeah, I don't. Cause... It's just like I feel like a robot, and I'm just like. Uh, okay, turn right here. Okay, now we're there. And then I'm just like, sweet, I have no idea how we got here. That, right. or, you know? you're like, or you're like, now where the hell am I? Right. See, I like, usually go by like landmark. Like, I usually go, all right, so there's this building here. Turn right at that building. Right, yeah. and then like I'll put on a GPS, but I only use it. I have it on just in case I get lost or to see my arrival time right. to make sure I'm not late. Sure. But yeah, no, I don't like the idea of just blindly following it like, yeah every time i've blindly followed a gps i have no concept of how to get out of there you right. know and like i like to be able to work backwards and go okay i remember passing that so like that's how so we, that, you know. that's where i'm gonna go yeah exactly so when well, you also you know blindly following a gps you take less in from like the environment yeah that you're for sure how uncomfortable just... will it be when everybody knows everything but nothing at the same time exactly like that's, that's exactly, where it's getting yeah, to yeah, but like exactly that's gonna be so getting. uncomfortable be like weird. it's like you know people who are just like Oh, cool. Okay, I'm going like to this place that I go all the time. Throw it into the GPS. I'm like, you don't know how to get there on yeah. your own. Like, you never committed it to memory. God, you should. You like, I, yeah, after multiple times <laughs> of being there, yeah. yeah, I think you should give it a try. It's like they're like I was I was riding with somebody once and they like dialed Seven Circle into their GPS and I was like, really? Like, I you're had here to, all I had the do, time. I had to do that today because I always miss the fucking. Accident. Yeah, that's fair. But like, you know, you also you know don't live in Denver proper, oh, right? Like, yeah, you know, yeah. like this was somebody that lives here and is here like all the time. But I don't know. Yeah. Exercise your brain. Don't exercise your GPS too much. There you that's go. my words of wisdom for the day. Exercise your brain. Don't exercise, that's going to be the name of the, the podcast. My tagline. Yeah. Exercise your brain, not your GPS. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, I was going to ask, what do you think yeah. are what do you think are some uh, slept on places in the U.S. that you've been to? Who? Um, At least for music, or just for like being in just, the city, yeah. like because yeah. I mean I know when you're on tour, like I don't know if, how long of the ones you guys did and stuff, but like we never. Uh, on ours, we never got really a lot of time in the city, so oh, it was yeah. mostly just based on show experience yeah. and like show, whatever. venue, sleep, drive. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. So, but is there any places that you thought were really, really unique that you would? That yeah, you um, Amarillo, Texas, oddly enough, is really? super unique. Uh, there's this. I'm pretty sure he's still alive. It's this crazy eccentric old guy millionaire who essentially wants the city to be really artistic, and so he just pays people to create art that's like install it around town and so like one of the coolest things that they do is they'll take old road signs and they'll just like paint art on them or they'll paint like a little quip of some sort of like words of wisdom and he'll have he'll have them installed in random people's front yards around the city and he'll pay those people a monthly premium to keep the sign in their yard so you're driving through this city in a neighborhood and there's randomly like a street sign in a na- in some house's yard with like 
a duck on it or something, you know, just like just totally random That's artwork. Cool, and it is the coolest That's a cool thing. Dude. Yeah, he's really is, rad. Wait, and was uh, that when you're was that with Victor Culture? No, no, I was. I didn't. Yeah, I was on that tour, but I had to meet up with them after Amarillo. Oh, okay. So. Uh, no, I went through there with a punk band called Deathbox, like, well, punk hardcore power violence more. They had a seven inch with a ni- 19 songs in nine and a half minutes. Holy and that was, wow. what, that was what we were touring. Holy it was shit. super fun. Um, yeah, <laughs> seven yeah. inch that, yeah. with 19 songs? That's, Very that's cool. Yeah, that was really yeah. rad. They were really fun. And they would play like, you know, we would drive eight hours and they would play like an eight minute set. It was so fucking sweet. It was so cool. And they're like, yep, that was yep, us. Yep, that was us. Yeah, all right, cool. And then people were probably just like, what, what was the that? fuck? Yeah, That's exactly. awesome. Yeah. That's it was, cool. It was really fun. Um, so yeah, we were out, I was out with them and we did uh, a couple of days in Amarillo and we actually, so this guy who has like all these art installation mm-hmm. things, he's got this place called The Ranch and you just kind of have to know somebody that's affiliated with him to be able to go to it mm-hmm. because you can't find it. It's just like a random dirt road entrance to this place and the only way to access it is to turn onto this dirt road off of an on-ramp onto the highway. And if you're just getting on the highway, you wouldn't you even, even notice it, that this yeah. dirt road is there. Oh, and that's the only way to sneaky. get there. It's really cool. And he's got, like, cars buried halfway in the ground sticking up like the Titanic out of the water. Wow. And, like, peacocks roaming around. And there's, like, a big dragon on the horizon made out of car parts. Well, that I you feel can like just... I've seen pictures of this, You may actually. have. It's, yeah. it's really yeah. cool, yeah. And uh, there's a big sign that you can see out in the distance that looks like the Hollywood sign, but it says actual size. And it's just like... <laughs> The coolest shit. And there's an island in a little lake and a zip what? line to the island and paddle boats. And it's just is like... He, is he an artsy dude himself or does he just like it? He just thinks it's I have no awesome. idea. I think, I think in a town like that, like... He's probably know, like... He's probably like, man, we need some art. We need art something, yeah. Because... And, uh, and it's like a lot of the like DIY punk circles are the kids that like hang around with this guy and like he pays them to like create all this art. And that's incredible. It's really cool. That's awesome. And so uh, the only thing that's like open to the general public that this guy has had anything to do with is called Cadillac Ranch. And it's like 15 vintage 70s pink Cadillacs that are all buried vertically sticking out of the ground in a line. Maybe that's You've probably what I've seen, seen that. Yeah. That's, that's probably That's just what I've off seen. the highway and open to the public and you can go to it. And you can just like spray paint the cars, and like there's just like layers and layers of spray paint on that's these cars. Tight. And uh, it's it's really cool. That's so Amarillo, awesome. that's the hidden gem about Amarillo. They used to have a DIY spot called the Pod, but it is no longer, unfortunately. Um, I did go to a show in Amarillo though after the Pod closed with some of the guys that ran that place, and they had set it up at uh, an old abandoned gas station. And they decided to set it up as a food fight show. And so they brought like $100 worth of condiments and just like food. And the show lasted for like 10 minutes. And it was just a complete demolished food mess at the end of those 10 minutes. And everything was covered in food. And then we all just left. And uh, supposedly there was a guy that would like had had something to do with the show that the organizer was going to pay him like 50 bucks to go clean up the food mess the next day. But this is Amarillo, Texas in August, and it just got hot. Oh, and I think shit. I heard oh, through the grapevine that he actually never went and cleaned up the food mess, and it just like became this rank, gross, rotting mess or something. That's yeah. that's the legend. But oh. I was at the show, and it was really cool. Yeah, man, because um, just thinking about it for myself, if someone was like, I'll pay 50 bucks to clean that, I'd be like, I'll pay you 50 bucks to keep your 50 bucks. Right, exactly. <laughs> like, like, no thanks. Like, I'm good, Sorry, yeah. you got to give me more than that. Um, yeah, so that was interesting. But, uh, God, what other hidden gems are there? trying to think uh in olympia washington there is a free-flowing 
freshwater, fresh spring water well uh, in the middle of the city that flows at 10 gallons a minute and has been for like 100 years. Holy shit. And they've wow. tapped into it. They've tapped into it, and it's just like – for the first time I went there, it was just like this nondescript pipe in the middle of a parking lot just, just like flooding 10 gallons of water a minute. And people would just – you just kind of had to know that that was the source. And you would go and, like, fill your water bottles up. And people would show up with those big five-gallon, uh, right. you know, like, house water dispenser things. And they would just be filling them there. And it's just, like, the best water I've ever had. It's just so and, pure. That's oh, kind of so cool pure. that they just let it out for free. For yeah. yeah. Like, I like yeah. that. That's and nice. So, but like I said, when I was there first, there was no signage. There was nothing. It was, it was just, just a, a pipe chill. in a driveway with a drain – or in a parking lot with a drain, you know. Wow. And you would just show up and fill your water. But now they've kind of, like, made it a little bit of an attraction. There's, like, benches around it and some, like – Does it plaque. collect? Do they collect no, it? No, I don't, I don't know. It probably it just spills? goes into the ocean. I think it just, yeah, it probably know. just spills My back. guess is it just goes into the ocean, but, um, because it goes straight into a drain when it comes out of the pipe. But, um, but yeah, you can show, everybody shows up and fills up their water and. And it's constantly just constant, always going? Always. Wow. 10 gallons a minute. That's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's so cool. And it's, like I said, it's the best water I've ever drank. And every time we go through there, even if we don't have a show in Olympia, like, it's like, all right, we're going to get off the highway, go fill up all our water bottles, you know. <laughs> There's it's, just some it's really cool. hollow earth giant living yeah. in there who's just like, damn it, they keep stealing all my water. Everybody <laughs> keeps tapping it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's great. It's really, cool. it's really cool. But, yeah, they've made it a really cool thing where there's, like, a, you know, there's, like, a big like plaque card plaque board that like, shows yeah. like talks about its history and what it's all about and it's like city owned now so it's a pretty cool thing um, awesome. another really cool thing about Olympia there's a guy sort of similar to this guy in Amarillo uh, he goes or like uh, the legend goes or whatever that he he goes by the dark dentist hmm. and he owns like a comic book character. he owns a bunch of houses around Olympia and he has them all painted black and does not upkeep the yard or anything, so the yards are all overgrown. And he rents them out on the cheap to, like, the DIY punk scene in Olympia. Oh, that's cool. And his whole thing is that, like, I guess this guy's, like, independently wealthy or something, or maybe he's just, like, a dentist and actually makes a lot of money. (laughs) But uh, his whole thing is that by keeping his rent low for the, like, arts scene to be able to rent and keeping the houses just totally dark and black and creepy looking and the yards overgrown Mm -hmm. and keeping all that in disrepair he keeps rent down in In those areas yeah that's and he's and i guess he gets fines every month you lose that property value right because of the neighbors yeah the desirable like yeah and that's his whole thing it's on purpose and uh and he keeps the yards unkempt as well for that same reason and apparently he gets fines from the city every every month for having the yards overgrown and not like up to city standards i'll let you live here for 250 a month but better not Mo, <laughs> he so the, the the fact that he's so independently wealthy or whatever, he just pays the fines and doesn't like let the the kids um or like doesn't ask the people renting the house to upkeep the yard yeah, or whatever yeah. you know, and so I've just always thought that was a really cool concept because it's smart. It keeps the city affordable, you right? Know? And Which you know you look at cities and like you're how, you're like how, how like Washington, right? right, right, right like yeah. how the fuck, how, how am I gonna live right. here? You yeah. know how am I how am I gonna pay rent? That is super yep. smart. So I've that I've I've been to one or two shows in one of these black houses, dark dentist houses, and then does um, anybody like do people know this dude? I don't know. I'm assuming, but I mean, I'm guessing it's like the people that rent from him right. know him. I'm not really sure, but I went to. A, at least one, maybe two shows at one of them, which was called the Track House, and it was right next to the railroad tracks, but it was also a black house, you know. 
And then uh, there was another one that my friend lived in, and so every time we would go through there, we would stay there. And she doesn't live there anymore, but every time I'm there, I drive by and I just look, and it's still a black house with a really unkempt yard, and I'm just nice. like, yes, that's, things are still going awesome. cool, you know? Um, so so that's is a, it just like one actual, like, are they all like really close no, together? they're all over the place. Oh, they're just yeah. all over the place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, I thought it was just like a just a block. A block. No, <laughs> no like, there, cool. there's like there's one here, there's one over here. You know, like yeah, it's it's really rad. Um, so he's, that's he's always, the people's person, yo. Uh-huh, that's wild. That's yeah. cool. So that's always been one that that and the uh, and the free flowing well have been my favorite things about Olympia. And oh god, if you just drive like a mile north of town, there's a little like natural like or national park area you can just park in, and there's a hiking trail. But you hike into this, and it feels like you're in like Jurassic Park. Like the oh, rainforest nice. in Olympia is amazing, and you can just walk into these hiking trails into this rainforest, and there's like little slugs going across oh, the ground because nice. it's all humid and moist, and you can walk far enough into it that you'll end up. Uh, either if you're at the top, there's this like almost a cliff overhang looking over the bay and you can like walk out on this giant tree that's like growing horizontally and be above the water. And I did that because I didn't even see where I was. And I was just like, oh, I'm going to walk out on this tree. And I looked down and I was like, oh, if I fall, I'm going to die. Oh, it's like, like, it's really high up. And I was just like, ooh, all right, I'm going to (laughs) step back a little bit. Um, But if you go down on the trail that goes down to the water, you can actually go and find this little secluded little beach. And uh, and that's a really cool thing about Olympia is their little rainforest thing. Um, That's That's just like a mile out of town. Or if you drive even further, like you can drive a couple hours into the actual forest and there's a big national forest uh, called the Ho Rainforest, H-O-H. And we hiked around in there for one, on one tour I was out on for like three hours. And it was just like incredible. Beautiful. It was some of the most beautiful hiking and scenery I've ever been to. So that's Olympia, Washington. Olympia, Washington has a lot of cool stuff like that. You're going to have to go. Uh, I know. It's really And the DIY spot that I've done shows that there is called Lavoyer. And uh, it's cool. It's a vegan restaurant, and then Ooh. they have a show space in the back that anybody can just book a show at. But you have to organize everything. You have to run your own door and run your oh, own okay. sound and stuff. They don't staff the shows. They just give you the space. But uh, it's really cool. I think, that if I remember correctly, they feed you for a discount if you're playing there. Nice. Um, I might be wrong about that. Don't quote me on that. But either way, it's really good food. So, you know, go check it. Either way, it's worth it. <laughs> um, yeah, it's definitely worth it. Um, so that's a really cool spot, Olympia. Um trying to think where else i mean i've been so many places that you you're just a traveling man yeah it's it's nuts dude i was actually i was looking at it, i'm pretty sure that there are only four states left that i need to hit four states. really what, what do you got like the weird ones maine vermont new hampshire and alaska well, oh really so you've done you've went to hawaii with yeah i didn't go on tour to hawaii oh, okay. uh, i just went there with my family when i was like 16 or something yeah do you ever 15. plan to go to europe at all as far as yeah like i would love to apparently touring in europe is amazing is... yeah i've never done it but uh i've heard great things um someday someday we shall see uh, I work for this band called the Bunny Gang that mm-hmm. uh, does Europe tours fairly often, and uh, I almost went there with them, but then um, they, they ran into a scheduling thing and like, no, let's see, the one I almost went with, they I wasn't working for them yet, I was just gonna oh. come along, but uh, they ended up hooking up with the band in Europe that was gonna provide all the gear and the travel vehicle right, and everything right. for them to to do the tour. And uh, they were doing all the shows with them, and it turned out there just wasn't another bunk in the bus. And if there had been, I would have gotten to go. Who? What up? Scared Damn, me. Damn, you so made us all bad. jump. That was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, buddy? That's okay. Huh? No, you're fine. You can hang out. 
I'm just talking about uh, this is the podcast. So hey, podcast listeners, this is Arthur from Wet Brain Hooligans and Targets and other cool bands in town. That door can be very scary when it's thought it was uh, when the it's cops. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> you should heard in these headphones. I'm just like, oh no. Uh, so yeah, for all of you listening out there, after this podcast recording concludes, uh, I'm recording demos for Arthur's band in this same room. So uh, yeah, Arthur, uh, do you guys have gear here yet? Or are you are you the first one? Okay, cool. Well, whenever anybody else shows up, uh, you guys can start doing things. I think we're close to wrapping up. But yeah, sweet. Um, anyway, so yeah, if there had been space in the bunk uh, or in the bus, then I probably would have ended up doing a like ten or twelve day Europe mm, tour with them. But it didn't happen. But then they ended up hiring me on as their sound guy and tour manager like seven months later or something. Oh, nice. And so um, we haven't done a Europe tour yet. But they were the band that I did that six week run with. Uh, oh, like in, in February and March of last year, um, it was like all told. Well, it was it was crazy. This was like it was crazy from like an outsider's perspective, but because I was like in the throes of it, just like working mm-hmm. the shows, it just felt like a routine for me. Right. But it was uh, it was like four and a half or five weeks of uh, being the second band out of four on a tour where. Pepper and Less Than Jake were the two headlining bands. And so we were doing venues from, like, the size of the Ogden to, like, you know, three-fourths Fiddler's yeah, Green, basically. Wow. Yeah. And I was tour managing Jeez. and running sound for Bunny Gang on all of those shows. We did a lot of Fillmore's. There are a lot of Fillmore's on the East Coast that are just like the Fillmore here. Um, and it was in February and March up in the Northeast, and we had a couple of shows get canceled due to weather and it was funny, actually, one of them was in Maine, and I was like, cool, I'm going like, to check yeah, off those yeah. states because <laughs> we're going to have to drive through Vermont, New Hampshire. But um, the Maine show got canceled uh, due to snow, so yeah. we uh, we had a few days off, and I did not go to Maine, but I will soon, and I'll check it off the list. Um, but, uh, yeah, that was really fun. And then the tour concluded in Florida and ended with uh, the Flogging Molly cruise that goes from Miami to the Bahamas and back. And the Bunny Gang plays the cruise every year because one oh, of the guys in the Bunny yeah. Gang is also in Flogging Molly, oh, and so every every cruise the Bunny Gang is one of the bands that, that plays. That makes sense now. Yeah, yeah, that and makes uh, sense. and so I got to like tour manage and run sound for this band on the cruise ship, but they only played one day of the, the, the like three and a half day cruise. So and so the got, whole rest of the time, I just, just got to see in. bands and hang out on this cruise ship. Nice. It was it was nuts, man. It was so much fun. And uh, so I've done that twice. They've done the cruise all the years that it has happened, but I've only been working for them for the last two. Um, so I've done the cruise twice, and uh, the last one we just flew in. Oh, this is an adventure. I didn't mention this. Okay, so this last one, we didn't do a tour leading up to the cruise. We just flew in. And nice. so we flew to Miami and then did the cruise and then um, went got back to Miami. But they didn't want to just, like, fly back home, so they booked a show in Key West which is like the southernmost point of the states. Um, And so as soon as we were off the ship, we rented vans in Miami and drove down to Key West and did a show there, which was this really cool thing. It was on a boat. It was on a little, like, schooner that's from, like, 1921 or something. And they just played acoustic on the deck of the ship. And that was real. It was like a a super exclusive thing. Like there were like 25 tickets available for it or something. And everybody just like sat on the deck around the ship and just watched this band play. And we sailed around in the, in the ocean in Key West for a couple hours. It was really fun. Um, and so then after that concluded, we drove back up to Miami 
and then flew to the Virgin Islands because they had a string of shows in the Virgin Islands to do uh, basically there were benefit shows for hurricane relief. And so we, oh, okay. did, we did the shows for free and all the money that was made off the shows past our recouping our costs went to hurricane relief. Awesome. So that was really, really cool and really humbling to get to go drive around and, and in the Virgin Islands and just like see all the damage and like so many wow. of the houses there are still have tarps for roofs. Like it was rough. And we were there uh, for like four or five days, I think. And we did three shows throughout those days and they were all on different islands. And so we had to take little boats from each island to the next to do the wow. shows with all the gear on the boats and that was, a, that was a super crazy thing that I never thought I would get to be a part of. But then, the really the craziest part was, <laughs> so they basically, in the Virgin Islands, they run on what they call island time, which uh-huh. is kind of like, well, it's yeah, like, you know, eh. we'll be there eventually like, kind of eh, thing, you know. You when is the show, like, when is the show going to start? Oh, you know, I don't know, eight or nine or ten. Or you know, yeah. yeah. It's like, it's like okay, cool. So that. I get to relax. This is great. Like I'm in like tour management mode. Like, okay, when do we need to be there for load in and all this stuff? And our like contact there who lives there was just like, You just need to relax. And I was like <laughs> You're like, what? Okay, but like what the band mean? is gonna be asking me when we have to be there. And he was like, I'm gonna tell them to relax too. And I was like, <laughs> Okay, <laughs> sweet, this is great. We're gonna have a vacation. So basically it just felt like a tropical vacation where we just like did shows every once That's in a while. Wow. It was really fun. Yeah. But uh so on the flights back we had a flight from the Virgin Islands to San Juan, Puerto Rico. And then a connecting flight in Puerto Rico to Miami, and then a connecting flight in Miami to Denver. That was the the, the route home. And apparently, this little airline in the Virgin Islands also runs on island time. So, <laughs> so the plane whatever. didn't even land at the airport from its previous flight until after we were already supposed to have landed in Puerto Rico. And I was just like, uh-oh, we're going to miss the Puerto Rico flight. And But it was two different airlines, and so there's nothing we yeah, could do, do to it, like yeah, help yeah. have them compensate us for it or whatever. So we just, like, got on the plane, and it was one of those little, like, nine-seater, oh, like, man. propeller planes. Shaking. Yeah, you could, it you was a little yeah. you think you're going down. But, like, we didn't, well, we didn't even go that high because the flight from the well, Virgin yeah, Islands to Puerto Rico was, like, yeah. 20 minutes. Yeah. So we land in Puerto Rico, and we run to the gate for the flight we're supposed to take to get to Florida. <laughs> oh, and it's literally, like, the last eight people are boarding the flight right then. And we like run up, and they're like, oh, my God, you made it. We're like, yeah, but our checked luggage has to come out at the baggage claim because it's two totally different airlines and flights. Oh, so they oh. can't transfer our luggage from one plane to the next like you're usually able to do. So we had to have our drummer Stay wait back. at the gate to try and hold the flight for us while the rest of us went out to baggage claim Got our bags and, and then had the to go to the check-in desk at the other airline to try and recheck it in for the flight <laughs> that he was trying to hold. And they were like, "Sorry, like it's too late to check bags for that flight. Their doors are closing like right now." And the drummer was like, he was there and he had like a carry-on. He didn't have any like uh, check luggage, and he was just like, "Hey, they're telling me that like I either need to get on the plane or not, and it's gonna leave." And I was like, honestly, dude, like, the rest of us are probably going to be stranded here tonight. So, like, if you want to get on the flight, that's fine. Get home. Do your thing. We'll handle the rest of this. And that's one less person we have to, like, 
book another flight for basically. And he was like, all right, if you're cool with that, I'm out. And so he got on the flight and flew home as scheduled. And the rest of us were stranded in Puerto Rico for a night. And I guess so there could be worse places. There could be worse for sure. And I mean, we were in a big city, so it was like, you know, it was all right. But the, so we're like at the check-in desk for, uh, for the plane that just left, basically. And they felt so bad for our whole situation because they couldn't do anything about it. And, you know, we told them we were a band and we were doing these benefit shows for the hurricane and they were, like, super stoked on that. So they rolled us over to the flights the next day, the same flights 24 hours later for free, which should have been, like, a $100 charge to change flights. So they gave us that for free. And then um, they uh, basically were like, yeah, I mean, you know, just go get a hotel, basically, and, you know, come back tomorrow. And she was like, but tomorrow is May 1st, and it's May Day, and the anarchist protests on May Day in Puerto Rico are super ridiculous and big. So, like, you might want to get here at, like, 6 a.m., even though your flight is at 4 p.m., because sometimes they shut down the highways, and you might not be able to get to the airport if you come in the afternoon. And we were like, Jesus Christ, of, like, all the days to be here, you know? Perfect. And in any other situation, I'd be like, man, I want to go join in on the protest. Sounds, you know, but um, but so we we ended up just getting a cab back to the airport at like seven in the morning just to be safe. And as we were taking the cab from the hotel to the airport, we were seeing like battalions of riot police ready at every exit of the highway to keep the protesters from oh, shutting shit. the highways down. And we were just like, what is going on right now? And so then we just like laid around the airport for nine hours, just waiting While for the flight. But see, outside. that was the thing. Like we, I was trying, I was walking around outside, yeah. like trying to see if I could see the highways. They all looked like they were still running. Like it didn't seem like it was as bad as they thought it would be, but apparently it may have been in the past, I guess. Yeah, and so they yeah, were just like, just like better safe than sorry, you know, like yeah. get to the airport early because you might not make it if you try and come later. So we just laid around on the floor all day at the airport and hung around and, um, you know, got on the flights and flew home, and everything was normal as it should have been. It was just 24 hours later. Um, but this was funny. So while I was out, so we were, there's a guy making uh, a documentary on this whole thing, this mm-hmm. band doing the benefit shows for the hurricane relief. And uh, so I was just like filming a bunch of footage on my phone for him. I'm like, oh, well, here we are, stranded in Puerto Rico, you know, like give it a little yeah, more drama little to the doc. <laughs> and uh, so I was just like wandering around, like trying to film the highway to see that it was still running and stuff, and like zooming in on the police cars that were just like parked at the airport because they said policia and I was like cool you know Spanish like it shows that we're in a foreign country you know just like simple simple as that you know and so we're going through security and uh, this like TSA agent starts like talking to me more than anybody else and he's like you know hey like you know like you know hey you know what something like you know what's your purpose of travel or whatever and I was like oh I'm like working with a band we did some shows in Virgin Islands we're flying home Etc. And uh, and he's like he's like oh cool what's like what's your name what's the name of the band can I see your passport and I was like oh, okay well this is I don't know I guess this is normal and I'm just yeah. like giving him all my information and uh, and he's like looking at my flight tickets and everything and he's like all right you know and he like sends me through security and I go through the wand thing and then I get to the other side and start like grabbing all my shoes to put back on and everything and another guy comes up and he's like hey so we got to ask you some questions and I was like oh. And he was like, yeah, we have on surveillance footage earlier you uh, acting suspicious in the airport and, like, filming police cars and all this stuff. And I was just like, oh, my God, dude, I'm so sorry. Like, I was just filming footage for this documentary. We're a band. We're stranded for in Puerto Rico for 24 hours. So, like, I was just getting some footage of that. And he was like, okay, like, 
that explains it. But like we, we just had to ask you because you. you know, yeah. like with all he was like he was like somebody all dressed in black walking around filming police cars on his phone with like all of this stuff going on outside the airport today. Like we just have crazy overly oh, yeah, cautious. Yeah. And I was like, cool, that's totally understandable. But he was like, I mean, everything checks out. You know, the tour dates are on the band's website. You're obviously not making this up, and you're obviously like flying home and not staying here to like. Have your comrades yeah, come in and com- you're like, I would have been gone yesterday. Yeah, bro. yeah, exactly. I was like, I was like, everything is cool. I promise, I'm not yeah. a terrorist of some sort. And they were like super nice about it after they figured out what was going on. But it was just so funny, you're, you're like just this like, extra scrutiny that they were like asking me all these questions. You're like, hey man, repeating. Wh- why my, you gotta ask me these questions? I'm sure yeah, yeah, it took it you a minute at first to just be like, oh, like because yeah. you're just like, what the. Why yeah, I was like, for a second, I was like, acting suspicious in the airport? Like, I laid around on the floor for nine hours. I don't yeah. know what that's suspicious <laughs> about that. But, uh, yeah, it was super funny. And so that was the only real hiccup there where I was like, you know, if I had gotten, like, a real dick of a TSA agent, like, I might have been arrested or something. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Yeah. But luckily, we just ended up, you know, stranded in Puerto Rico. And we were so exhausted, too, that, like, we were like, all right, well, party in San Juan. You know, like, let's check into the hotel and go out and see what the city has to offer. And then, like, we ate dinner at the restaurant attached to the hotel, and we were all just like, let's just go to sleep. So, like, we didn't even really get to see Puerto Rico. It was just like, well, we saw it from the airport to the hotel and back from the window been of a taxi. Puerto you know? Rico, yeah. yeah, I've been there kind of, but, you know, at the airport. So that was that was a super funny adventure. Um, what a... What but, time are we at? Yeah, I don't know. How long have we been going? Yeah, we're looking. We're at I about you I talk two o'clock. <laughs> we're about two o'clock now. So cool. Well, I don't know. I mean, Probably. that's tour adventure stories, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, sounds I think good, we're man. Hard cut it. Okay, right. cool. Hey, thanks for uh, having me on. I well, really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, thanks, thanks for doing this. this. Thanks for letting us out here. Yeah. This was awesome. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, let's do it again. We'll tell more tour stories. And, oh, yeah, you know, absolutely. we didn't even really dive that much into Seventh Circle, but, uh, you know, we can dive into some of the crazy stories that have happened here, too. Oh, yeah. yeah, we got a rough so. little start on that. So definitely, if you're listening stay and haven't been. Stay tuned for round two. Yes, round stay tuned. Two. And also, make sure to catch a show out at Seventh Circle. Oh, yes, come, absolutely. Come next Friday. Yeah, screw tape. Yeah, come. Yeah, we'll be here for sure. Come this Friday for screw tape kickoff tour kickoff show with potato pirates it's going to be a wild time uh friday october 12th and the calendar is always up on our facebook excuse me our facebook page um we have a facebook event for every show that goes on here and they all just list out so seventh circle music collective is the full name of the place if you're looking it up and i mean if you google it or anything like that it'll come up we've got a dot org website we've got the facebook page and uh you know, check it out. And if you're yeah. interested in getting into the music industry as somebody that wants to learn how to run sound or run a venue or anything like that, then come let us teach you for free, essentially, you know, and and start your career off right, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, this is the place to do it. Yeah, absolutely. Great people, yeah, definitely. Man. Lots of fun. Well, thank you, Aaron. Woo, absolutely. It, thank you guys, for sure. All Talk right, to everybody. You next time around. Thanks for listening. <laughs>